It's a honor to be speaking this morning, and I thank all those who've given me words of encouragement throughout the week and this morning. And this morning, encouragement can come in many ways. Chris teasingly told me this morning, he's like, oh, you're preaching today. I should have stayed home. And he did it with a nice big grin, teasing me. And well, Chris, the sermon's for you. As I prepared this this week, I came across a story and I thought it was too good not to share. So I'm going to share it. And I think it ties well to our scripture. Down in down in down in the Ozarks, a man was sitting beside a campfire. He was roasting some kind of bird with eager anticipation. About this time, a forest ranger came upon the camp and asked the camper what he was cooking. Well, the camper said he was cooking a hawk. Well, a big frown came upon the forest ranger's face and he told told the camper, well, I'm sorry to tell you this. That's against the law to kill that kind of bird. I'm going to have to give you a citation. Well, the camper responded. He was was telling the ranger how he he got lost and he he consumed all his food and he killed the bird out of desperation. And he was only only did it to maintain his own strength. Well, the forest ranger listened sympathetically and said, well, okay, I'll I'll let you let you off with a warning this time. As the forest ranger started to leave out of of curiosity, asked the camper, what does that hawk taste like? And the camper thought for a minute and and he said, well, it tastes something in between a spotted owl and a bald eagle. (laughs) Have you? Have you ever discovered it is often better to say less? Well, this was certainly a case for this man. And in Jesus, in chapter 5, Jesus might have been better off saying less for his own personal safety. But Jesus does not hold back. First, let us remember the context of the verses we're going to be looking at. Two I guess it was three weeks ago, Dwayne spoke on the healing at the pool of Bethesda. He spoke of the invalid who'd been waiting there 38 years. Give you an idea. I am 38 years old. Good looking 38, but I'm 38. And after the man kind of explains his situation and how he hadn't been able to get healed, then Jesus is asked him, do you want to be healed? And then Jesus commands him to take up his bed and walk. And the man does. It's a beautiful miracle. The problem is not everybody was happy about this miracle because this miracle happened to happen on the Sabbath. And you see, Jesus is quickly becoming a thorn in the backside of the Jewish leaders. They view him as kind of a renegade or a a rebel troublemaker because he won't conform to the status quo. The matter that strikes me the most in the passage we're going to be reading today is if Jesus was trying to avoid confrontation, he really doesn't do a very good job of it. The fact of the matter, though, is that Jesus can't avoid the truth. Jesus will not try to get along with the Jewish leaders if that means compromising the truth. He's going to say who he is and they are either going to embrace him or reject him. It is meant to be that simple. He lays it out very simply that he is God. 
going to be looking at the verses um, in chapter 5, verses 16 through 20. And as I looked over this, well, 16 through 30 for the whole passage, we're going to start with 16 through 20. And as I looked at these verses, there were three claims that I noticed that Jesus made. The first being that he is God. So John chapter 5, verse 16. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing on his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. Just as the father continually works for that which is good, so does Jesus. Have you ever considered what would happen if Jesus or if God stopped working? God is constantly at work. It's because of him that we breathe. It's because of him the sun rises or or brings rain. It's because of him that we are here this morning. God never stops working for what, for that which is good. This is the essence of Jesus arguing about those complaining about his Sabbath activity. He is merely imitating God. He will do good just as God does. It's a matter of consistency. So then we find that Jesus acts like God and talks as if he is God. And to defend his godlike actions, Jesus claims to be God. We also see Jesus claim an unique relationship with God. For not only is God the father, God is his father. The inference was very clear to the Jewish mind. Since Jesus claims that God is his father, he is claiming an equality with God. For the Jew, there was no more serious offense than this. The Jewish leaders considered it blasphemy. The original accusation of being a Sabbath breaker paled in comparison with this charge. And for them, there was only one conclusion. Jesus must die. Jesus claiming to be equal to God is very bold and blunt. I've heard people say that Jesus never claimed to be God. But I feel that's very much what Jesus is doing here. And the Jew, the Jewish listeners very much understood it that way. For if Jesus wished to avoid trouble, this would have been a perfect time to clarify what he means and what he what he's doing and could soothe their anger. But Jesus had no interest in that. He actually puts them on the on the defensive. For in effect, he asks, how can they deny the claims of the one who says he is God and who also does the works of God? For Jesus, it was not possible to act in any other way. You see, because he is God, he must act like God. It's like father, like son. And yet he was not done. 
there were greater works yet to do. The next section of verses, we see the claim that he makes as, as he is our savior. Verse 21 through 24. For as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the son gives life to whom he will. For the father judge, judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son. That all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Kyle started our service out with that verse. It's a beautiful verse. Let's just read verse 24 again. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Jesus graciously bestows life. You remember the event before. Jesus extended grace to the invalid at the pool. He chose him out of all the others that were at the pool. And if you remember, Dwayne asked a question that got me pondering. Why did Jesus choose this one out of the many who were there? I think it's a reminder that Jesus gives life graciously. Grace is a gift. We do not invent it or make it. It is graciously handed to us. And this is how it happens. When we hear and believe, a new quality of life comes our way. When we believe the credentials of Jesus and who he says he is and act on them, we are saved. We then cross over from a state of death to a state of life. As a result, we never taste the emptiness and loneliness of death. We know a new quality of life that is characterized by richness, fullness, and beauty. Jesus is our Savior. The third claim that I noticed in these verses is that Jesus is judge. If you will, look at verses 25 through 30. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life. And those who have done evil to the resurrection of, to judgment. I could do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I, I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus is the final judge of human destiny. Jesus becomes the judge of all because the father exercises his right of judgment through his son. We see Jesus judges the morality of the works of each person. Jesus decides according to what is good and evil. He is the dividing line. I do want you to know that salvation is not based on works. It is a gift that cannot be earned. But judgment is based on works. Those who obey God's word 
walked in fellowship and shared his life, they are the ones who have done good. Those who have refused his life, turned their backs on truth, shut their ears to the offering of grace, those are the ones who stand condemned. Let me ask you a question. Do you see Jesus as he is? John is very concerned that we do. From the very beginning of the gospel, he has told us that the the word, meaning Jesus, was God and that the word became flesh. Do not get confused that Jesus was a good man or a good teacher. Buddha was a good man and a good teacher. If that all Jesus was claiming, the Jewish leaders wouldn't be so determined to kill him. You see, the facts don't line up with that line of thinking. In the book, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, I always love C.S. Lewis, he makes this claim quite well. C.S. Lewis writes, many people say about him, being Jesus, I'm not ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept him Excuse me. I'm not ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and says those sort of things, Jesus would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of a man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either This man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him or kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. Let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Here are our choices about Jesus. We know Jesus historically lived, for we have more literary and historical evidence of Jesus' existence than we do of Homer, Plato, Aristotle, Julius Caesar combined. Yet we all believe they existed. So either Jesus was a liar, master deceiver, or nothing more than a madman suffering from delusions. Or, as for me, I believe Jesus was who he said he was. Nothing less than Lord. What will you do with Jesus? How will you answer the question of who is Jesus? If you want more proof of Jesus' claims, then examine the cross. For it is the resurrection that proves at once and for all that Jesus is God. In in closing, I hope you recognize that Jesus is the Son of God. So that when we see him, we see the Father. You see, we don't have to... Look very far to know what God is like when we see Jesus. I hope you recognize that Jesus is our Savior. Recognize that he graciously and lovingly offered each of us a quality of life that is new, rich, full, beautiful, and most importantly, eternal. I hope that you recognize that Jesus is Lord. He is King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the great judge, judging who stands righteous by his work on the cross and those who stand condemned by their own works. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this passage. And I just pray that my words were an encouragement and 
I just pray, and I just pray that I, I challenged our thinking of who you are and, and what we know about you. And, and just lift your, your name up in all glory and praise. Amen.